This is a broadcast of SmallCapVoice.com, a financial communications and investor relations firm. SmallCapVoice.com receives payment for investor relations and financial consulting services that it provides to its clients. You should assume that officers, directors, and employees of SmallCapVoice.com or financial analysts mentioned and their families hold a position and intend to trade in these securities for their own accounts. This is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be nor should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, an investment in a featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This broadcast does not purport to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. Information used and statements of fact have been obtained from the featured company and other sources but not verified nor guaranteed by smallcapvoice.com as to completeness or accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. You're wired in smallcapvoice.com. Following is a presentation of smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support. Now, with your online business briefing, smallcapvoice.com's Stuart T. Smith. Welcome one, welcome all to this online business briefing. And as you just heard, I'm your host, Stuart Smith. And we're joined once again today by TerraTech Corp. The company trades under the ticker symbol TRTC. And we're joined once again by the chief executive officer for that company, Derek Peterson. Derek, welcome back. Hey, Stuart. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for taking time to stop and talk to us because what a year it's been. It's been uh, since 2013, since we last talked, and we're six months into 2014. Been an amazing year for you and your company. Lots of big headlines, lots of media coverage, stock hits at an all-time high that I'm aware of, and yet there's always going to be bumps in the road. And so recently, we see these things coming out of the message boards and places like Seeking Alpha, orchestrated shorts attack, short attacks, tweets, all these kind of things happening. And even just out recently in March, there was a Seeking Alpha article that said Seeking Alpha needs to take stock of its policies. And listeners, for your education, we're including this link right below the player you clicked on to hear this audio interview. And we encourage you to read that because for me, Derek, being in this industry for 13 years, this is not the first time I've seen this. uh, And I doubt it'll be the last time I see it. But we see people using social media articles that they can post even disclosing that they're short on Seeking Alpha. And with all that said, they still cause quite a bit of panic in the market. And this is tied also around a recent bit of news for your company and what you're doing there in Clark County. So I've laid the groundwork for you, Derek. Take it away. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, a lot of people think that this type of thing is uh, indicative of the microcap world, the pink sheet markets, the over-the-counter markets, and that type of thing. And I woke up the other morning and was reading some of the financial news, and, and I was glossing over the uh, the Herbalife issues going on between Ackman and Carl Icahn right now, and it kind of kind of hit home with me because we're uh, we're experiencing you know attacks from a similar standpoint. Good point. You're not so different then, are you? Well, th- th- that's just what the markets have become. You know, there's there's people that go long stock and there's people that short stock, and social media and the internet has become a pretty valuable tool for both sides. So just like you know. People in, in companies can be over-promotional. They can uh, do the opposite of that to affect their outcome. The most telling thing that I saw on that Seeking Alpha report 
was the first line item, I think, that it was, uh, they indicated that they were short. So being short a company's stock, the only way you benefit from being short a company's stock is by that price to decline. Yeah, well, that's the truth of it. And it's, it seems unfortunate, though, uh, to bank on stocks going the other direction. So where do you go from here then, Derek? Well, I mean, I can tell you what we've already done. I mean, we've, we've done a couple things. We've hired, uh, we've hired counsel to, to start some civil action against the people that uh, have benefited from the decline and from the people that we think disseminated the false and misleading information. Secondly, we reached out to the authorities. We've started a dialogue with the, uh, both the FBI and the Security and Exchange Commission because we take protecting our shareholder base very seriously. And um, we will be available to follow up with them in any way, shape, or form to assist them through this process as we possibly can. Um, third, we hired a uh, ex-chief prosecutor for the Security and Exchange Commission's Enforcement Divisions to do an internal review as well as assist in the, uh, the civil legal actions which we intend to push forward uh, over the coming months. Well, it's nice to know that uh, there's defense in both directions. So obviously what I mean by that is, of course, there's freedom of speech. That's the great country that we live in. But to a point, uh, obviously, at this time, it's been taken too far. There's been things that were not only just misleading, but flat out wrong. Uh, do you want to address some of the points that were made in that article, Derek? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to walk, walk through some of the line items if you'd, if you'd like to chat about them. You know, we've, they've done a phenomenal job of taking what we believe is relatively benign information and spinning it around to see to make it appear as though it's something somewhat sinister. And they, they do this to achieve an emotional response, and that emotional response is for people to go out and sell. It ultimately becomes a self-fulfilling process. Where where this activity really crossed the line is the tortures interference that we believe took place by emailing what we believe is false and misleading information to county commissioners directly in a time where we were going through the hearings and we were under a cone of silence. And what I mean by a cone of silence, it was a period of time where we weren't able to have open conversation with the commissioners because they were going through the decision-making process. They used this time as a, as a shield for them to send emails to ultimately affect an outcome, and that outcome for them would be for us not to get issued a permit, resulting in potentially more downside for them to profit from. So, you know, the, we, we've seen emails going to the commissioner's office directly from firms in Canada, for example. What vested interest does a firm in Canada have with what's going on in medical marijuana in the state of Nevada? It makes no sense, other than having some sort of a financial interest in the stock price going down. Yeah, no doubt. That makes a lot of sense. Well, what about, uh, so you're saying they've crossed the line and got off of this article and off of the message boards and actually reached out to people. So that's, that may be novel to me, but clearly something that you guys have had to deal with. So anything else in that article you'd like to discuss? You know, they, they uh, looking through it, they, you know, they, they look at things like my last name, for example. And, you know, my last name is Peterson. It always has been Peterson. My family name is Opetisano. My father changed my name, or changed his name, I should say, before I was born. My name's been Peterson my whole life. I've begun a process of changing my name back to Opetisano, just so my kids can have some sort of understanding of their heritage. It's important to me. It was a personal decision, but they make it sound as though there's something being hid there. And, and again, taking relatively benign information and trying to make it sound as though it's something you know, sinister in nature. Well, I understand, and you're right, taking something benign and making a mountain out of a molehill, if you will. Derek, I also see they brought up some past legal actions with this Industrial Enterprises of America. Can you give us your insight into that? Stuart, that's actually a great example of what we were talking about earlier. So 
that's something that they made an effort to to spin inside the article that we were somehow associated with or affiliated with this criminal activity that had taken place inside that company when it couldn't be more far from the truth. The truth of the, re- the matter is it's a civil bankruptcy case, meaning that the corporate executives that were running that company did things internally that caused the company to decline and put them out of business. A trustee and a fiduciary had taken over the, the company at that point, and they have gone out to collect everything that they can collect from everybody that was involved in the company in some way, shape, or form. I was never an employee. I was never an officer. I was an investor. And they're trying to get the shares back from the people who invested into the company, from the people who worked for the company, because the shares that were issued out to the public were issued out inappropriately, and they were issued out illegally. Mizuto, which I believe was the CEO, went to prison for the activity as well as some other people. The reality of it is we were named with dozens of other people. They went after Yale University. They went after Tabor Academy. Um, They went after dozens of other people. So they're just trying to get back value from shareholders, and that's that's their responsibility. The case has been tied up for, I want to say, four years or so. They just ran into an issue where the original fiduciary who filed the bankruptcy uh, just got caught looting the company. So there's internal turmoil going on right now. And it's really frustrating for us because we want to push this forward so it goes to trial, and we, we feel like there's no merit or basis to it, and we feel like we'll come out victorious. But again, it's a civil suit. We weren't operators of the company. We weren't employees of the company. We had no ability to direct or control the decisions that were made inside the company. We were a passive investor. Understood. So, Derek, my next question is, what about the accusation that was made about insider selling and a reduction of their position in the company? Can you address that? Yeah. Well, that's a funny one because, you know, I haven't sold a share uh, of my holdings uh, since I started the company back in early 2010. Uh, my wife, during tax time, sold, I think it was 350,000 shares of stock, which amounts to, fully diluted with her B shares, less than 1% of her total outstanding shares of her total holding. As what other people are doing, um, you know, I don't follow that from a day-to-day basis, but as a management team and as a operating team, we are heavily invested in the company, and we've remained heavily invested in the company because we believe in our future. Fair enough. And Derek, what about this accusation that TerraTech could be potentially halted or suspended by the SEC? Well, that's a that's a great example of the language that these writers use to incite fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe the terminology that you use, you know, has the potential or could, right? So TerraTech has the potential to be suspended by the SEC. Every company has the potential to be suspended by the SEC. You know, that's like me saying, you know, uh, you have the potential to get in a car accident on the way home. It's it's those types of things that incite fear into investors to make them make decisions based on emotions rather than rather than the facts. Absolutely. They said the same thing, Stuart, when they were talking about the potential for us to be involved with illegal stock promotions. They said the company could be wrongfully paying for stock promotions. We have no history of that. We've never done that. And we have investor relations firms. That's how we deal and manage our interfaces with with our shareholders. That's the type of confusing language that these writers put in there, again, to make people make emotional responses or under the hope that they'll make some semblance of emotional response. 
Yeah, and this wouldn't be the first time my company's been named in an article like this, but you know, bottom line is our disclaimer, and it's right there. People visit our website. We've been working with TerraTech. We accept at this point only restricted stock, which means we benefit nothing from a short-term swing in the stock. We've also been in business for 13 years. You know, Obviously, we try to stay as absolutely in the forefront of compliance here at smallcapvoice.com. So, Derek, what is it that you're working from? Have you seen any of the correspondence from the commissioners? Listen, Stuart, there's a lot I can't comment on because of the pending civil action and, and some of the pending um, criminal action that we anticipate to take place. Um, what I can say is, you know, I'll give you an example. We've, uh, the company's received emails from a specific individual in a specific fund several weeks ago wanting to invest in the company. Um, we have all our investors lined up. We didn't need to, to deal with any other outside entities from an investment standpoint. And one of the documents that we have in our hands right now is this same person from this same fund emailed the, uh, a hit piece to the commissioners in Clark County from, from a firm in Canada. Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, he felt as though the company was good enough to reach out to you to want to invest in us. Four weeks goes by. Now they've got an issue with us. And my understanding, according to their Lincoln page, they run a long short fund out of Canada. So these are the types of things that I'm talking about. What interest would somebody out of Canada have into the Nevada Clark County hearing besides having some sort of financial motivation associated with short selling the stock? That's what we're trying to get to the bottom of right now. We've, uh, we've uncovered a tremendous amount of material. We feel pretty comfortable with where things sit right now. Well, it seems like you've had to put a lot of time and effort into this. One thing that's jumping out to my mind is how is the rest of the ship, how are you navigating going forward? So we have Edible Garden. Edible Garden, like you said, has had a tremendous year last year. We're having a tremendous year this year. We put out a forecast of $7 million in revenue this year, and, and, and we're working hard to achieve that goal, or better. The Metafarm side and medical marijuana side of things, we have another application uh, opportunity coming up next week, which we are putting a lot of time, effort, and energy in. And we are in the process of clearing that air, air right now, and I, I feel like we're making a lot of traction and making sure that we have that chance to compete on, on fair footing with everybody else. And Derek, also looking to the future, what other opportunities around America are you looking into now? Listen, Nevada is a, a huge opportunity for us, and we want to make sure that we, we wrap this up in short order. And, and we are, of course, focusing on other markets through the United States, but this is the primary motivation for us right now. We've been spending a lot of time down in Florida to, you know, no pun intended, plan our roots in the CBD laws that are taking place uh, right now. We're also heavily focused on New York and, you know, basically all the major markets right now. We want to make sure we have some semblance of a footprint across the country when full legalization takes hold and permits in these you know, very dense populated areas are, are extremely attractive to us. Well, Derek, I want to thank you once again for your time here today. I know it's a hectic time for you right now, both with opportunities as well as cleaning up some of the uh, issues that you've addressed here in this audio interview. And we appreciate you using Small Cap Voice as a forum to do that. We hope that the listeners take a good listen to this audio interview. And we hope to hear from you soon as more great news comes out from your company right here on the press wire at smallcapvoice.com. Thanks, Derek. Stuart, thanks for the time. All right, for Derek Peterson, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. Smallcapvoice.com, today's leader in investor relations, capital formation, and retail support, provides its clients with the highest level of service. Our audio interviews are disseminated to one of the largest opt-in audiences available today. How? We at smallcapvoice.com believe in aligning and affiliating ourselves with other leaders within the investor relations community. By sharing resources, 
each affiliated firm is made that much stronger and each client is served that much better. Our focus is to identify and provide the very best financial services and solutions available to clients and their shareholders. For more information about our services, please call us at 512-267-2430 or visit us on the web at www.smallcapvoice.com.